It's a Collecting the Beatles podcast with some special guests this afternoon. We have Mr. Gary Astridge. Hey, Gary. Troy, how are you this afternoon? And Mr. Robert Rodriguez. Hey, Robert. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. After uh, Robert's big weekend two weekends ago, I'm surprised you have uh, are even still <laughs> recovered, you know, away. <laughs> no, it, it, it's coming back bit by bit, but uh, it, it's still sort of a, a, a mini PTSD at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, I don't know if you're aware or, or caught it, but Robert had, a, it was oh, the yeah. first of many, I hope. Uh, did, did you catch the Fab Four Con Jam? Uh, yes, I did. Part of it. Yeah. Yep. Oh, cool. yep. mm-hmm. Yes, cool. loved it. Just loved it. But what we do in this podcast, it's we just kind of talk about different aspects of collecting the Beatles. And, and sometimes we get into why, but we've got to introduce Gary. Gary has taken a different tack. I mean, I, Gary probably collects some of the records and the music that some of us do, or he has it through the years. But Gary, would you mind sharing with our listeners what you really collect as far as the Beatles are concerned? Uh, well, it turns out my forte ended up being uh, collecting drum kits all similar or exact to what Ringo used during his uh, career with the Beatles. And we're dealing with four drummers here on this podcast. So look <laughs> out, everybody. <laughs> look out. Ge- the geek talk will begin. But uh, so, Gary, what got you started collecting? What was the bug that bit? Was it the Ed Sullivan show? Um, well, that's that was my interest in the Beatles, you know, of the age where I saw them live. And um, from that moment on, it, it was, you know, a, a passion of mine, just their music. And, and, and I just dialed in on Ringo. But it wasn't until I was in my 30s, you know, I mean, I already had drum kits and was playing drums by the time I was seven. And, uh, and I thought, why don't I have a Ludwig kit like Ringo's? And it just... Uh, um, just something that I, I, I thought I wanted. And um, what happened was I thought I found the right kit. Uh, it said, uh, you know, Black Oyster Pearl. And uh, it was in Pittsburgh. I was in Buffalo. I, I bought it. And when it showed up, I'm looking at it and I'm trying to convince myself that, oh, this is what it really looks like. But it was the uh, 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 bowling ball wrap. Kind of like the blue that's right yeah. behind us here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I was so disappointed. And, and, and in my mind, I just wanted to so believe that it, this is what it is. And um, uh, so that's, that sparked me to, to do more research. And from that point, it, it was not only playing drums, uh, but collecting drums and doing research on Ringo's kits. And the more I would look at magazines or pictures and things are much more limited at that time, right, you know, without internet and stuff. So it was just kind of trial and error. And, and uh, over the years, I, I ended up spending, you know, I, I know in the six figures, just buying and selling drums and oh, looking wow. for, for, for things. But um uh, I, I amassed a collection and, and some of very rare, th- you know, uh, items that are hard to find. And uh, once I had it, then it was, okay, you know, you realize much of your collecting is not only for the research, but just you, for the hunt, you know, trying to find the rare pieces. Yeah. And um, uh, I know my wife <laughs> was getting on me to the point where I could not go into our basement uh, when she was down there because as soon as I would, she would just point over to the room and say, what are you going to do with all that? You know? <laughs> and, um, uh, and, and it just turned out to me just to be a fantasy for um, a Beatle fan, you know, uh, being able to 
uh, share the items with Ringo, um, get to know him as a person, and then uh, get involved in all kinds of projects and, and cool things with him. And um, I never look back, but it's just uh, a fantasy, really. Robert, Craig, when did you guys first learn of, of Gary and, and his historical approach to, you know, these kits and stuff? Uh, well, for me, I, I met him the first time at the drum show a few years ago. That was uh, kind of my introduction to the whole thing. And For me, it was there was a news item about Ringo's gold Ludwig presentation snare drum and that had been found or, uh, you know, because we, we as Beatle fans, we've all seen the pictures of them in Chicago in September of 64 when that, uh, that whole uh, event happened. And so that was where the name Gary Astridge first popped up to me. Although Gary, you could probably um, get in detail when you first started showing up at Beetle Fest, but I'm pretty sure that's where we first came into contact. It would have been in May of whatever year it was. And that's, as soon as I saw that and Googled your name, it's like, holy cow, this guy's going to be at the drum show in Bill Park. That's just right up the road for me. I'm going to be there. And that was when we actually met for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> the the drum show we're talking about is rebeats puts it on rob cook it's the biggest drum show i would say in the united states if not the known world um but it's just a, a bunch of us guys go up and show up and we trade drums and buy drums and drum each other to death and just talk stuff and then there's a whole beetle contingent uh kind of led by bunny mm -hmm. <laughs> a little bit by me but we all get together and you know we 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 fab ourselves you know to the to the point but uh, now, Craig or Robert, uh, I'm going to skip you, Gary, real fast on this, but Craig or Robert, have you guys gotten that that Ringo, oh, I'd like to have a kit like this, whether it be the Oyster Black, uh, the Hollywood kit, and we'll get into the details oh, of yeah. these kits in just a little bit. I would like to have it. I don't have any yet, but I would like to. <laughs> Robert? I, years ago, back, I would say maybe early 20s so probably about six or seven years into my playing drums there was a music store uh funnily enough in the same town where they have the drum show in billa park called perry's music and they would sell a lot of things on consignment and i remember walking in there one day not even for drum stuff i think i was getting guitar strings because i was playing guitar too and uh, i noticed in the window they had a 1960s ringo appropriate colors drum kit for sale and it's just like your eyes get really big and you're like oh man because i was my original kit i was still playing at the time which was a slingerland and you know you, you aspire to things because you're a fan you think well someday i'll have a lovely kit like ringo's but um as soon as i laid eyes on it it's like wow you know this is what i've been <laughs> waiting for my whole life you know but then it became a thing you know i look at the price tag and like that's not happening and uh <laughs> it, it became the kind of thing where okay I, i've satiated my interest in touching one and physically laying my eyes on one so i know it's there and someday when i'm rich and famous i'll be able to acquire one of these for real but until then i'll, I'll play what i play and it's like okay it, it, it didn't it sort of demystified it in the moment now that i was physically in proximity to one and that you know kept me going for years and years yeah sure um, Sure. So Gary, let's, let's jump in real fast. The, uh, if you wouldn't mind going us through like, what was Ringo's, the, the first kit we saw, if you don't mind giving us a quick history of that kit, of, of, the, of, of his, his Oyster Black kits. Okay. Well, Oyster Black, um, his first one uh, was a downbeat from 1963. And uh, uh, his second 
was another downbeat uh, that he obtained while he, when the Beatles first came to the U.S. in '64. And um, uh, end of '64, uh, or, or actually June of '64, he picked up a uh, or was given by Ludwig a uh, a super classic. And then uh, in 1965, in August, he was given another super classic uh, by Ludwig for touring. So that covers the four. To jump in real fast, a downbeat kit is what they call, uh, it's a jazz kit. It's a 20-inch bass, 12-inch uh, tom, and a 14-inch floor tom. Right. And the mm -hmm. super classic is the 22-inch bass, 13-mounted uh, tom, and a 16-floor. Now, Gary, uh, we all wish Ringo would have played Blue Sparkle. <laughs> the Oyster Black wouldn't be as, as hard to come by. But uh, but now his, his snare is pretty unique, correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's an odd size. Um, so jazz festival should have been a, a, a 14 by five shell and his is a 14 by five and a half. And th there was something that I found interesting about his first kit. It almost made me think that, you know, when at the time when Ludwig uh, hooked up with um, uh, Arbetter, you know, to be the distributor uh, for the UK, um, I, I learned some interesting things. One was that he couldn't, Arbiter could not get uh, um, any kind of sparkle kits. They were just getting, you know, like the uh, uh, Oyster Black Pearl, things that weren't selling that well in the US as opposed to the sparkle. And um, uh, I noticed also with Ringo's first kit on his 14 by 14 floor tom, uh, there was a part of it where the shell was like just flat. In the, in, in the back side of it, the opposite side from where the uh, uh, badge is. And um, also on his front bass drum head, it was, it was a type of head that um, would be used like on a parade drum where it actually had mesh screening in it. And so to me, so to, just to me, it just seemed like they were offloading some things, you know, just, just sliding them in. Uh, um, whether it's true or not, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, but his kit, it was just, it was just odd. So, and especially with the snare, there wasn't that many around and there aren't that many around. So that, that makes it very valuable to people that are, uh, uh in the know and really want something authentic. In, in your, during the research of the history of his kits, is it fair to conclude then during the touring years, at least, that Ringo only ever bought one Ludwig kit and the rest were all gifted to him? Well, actually, he bought the first two. First two. Okay. okay. Yeah, the first two. And, and, and the second one, I don't know how the deals were made with, you know, Brian being involved and, you know, it mm -hmm. being a group. But um, it just seemed like a lot of equipment was being thrown at the Beatles once they hit big. Rickenbacker, Vox, right. eventually yeah. Fender. Yeah. I didn't know if Ringo was in on that action as well. Yeah, well, um, uh, it's going to escape me now, but um, there was a person that that uh, uh, worked for Ludwig, um, oh, and I feel bad that I can't remember his name, but he was given the task to be the liaison, you know, by by uh, uh, by Bill Ludwig, you know, to to work with um, Ivor Arbetter and Drum City and uh, um, uh, Brian uh, Epstein, mm -hmm. so. The, the cool thing that I, that I did not know uh, uh, was that uh, when, when the Beatles were getting ready to do their first tour, uh, there was the question of how are we going to project sound 
you know, because Ringo just had a jazz kit. Right. So I did not know that that uh, Ludwig started actually shipping over different size drums for Ringo to try. He even tried a bass drum that was like uh, uh, 24 inches, you know, 20, oh, uh, 20 wow. 14. <laughs> and um, uh, and then he just simplified just saying, no, 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 just just give me a super classic kit. And, and, and that's how that's how that came about. But there was a lot more to it than I uh, ever realized. Um, and Dick Shorey, that's the guy's name. Okay. Yeah, Dick Shorey, yeah. the guy is just a wealth of information, still very sharp. Uh, and he's in his 80s. And um, he, he's just a goldmine of information. And every time he would bring something up, <laughs> you know, he, he would just start thinking and, and just spew information that he thought was irre- irrelevant. But <laughs> the opposite in your yeah, experience yeah, I, yeah I i've that. never heard i've never heard of the uh the 24 him trying out the 24 yeah yeah isn't that amazing when you think about it yeah oh gosh yeah is ringo as fussy about his drums as he is on a hard day's night um i'd say yeah yeah and that gets into the, the whole technical thing you know, Ringo's a, he's a different breed. You know, he doesn't like rehearsing and, you know, all the things that we've heard, you know, many of them are true, but as, as a player, he, he just has that gift, you know, and, and, and I always use the, uh, um, the idea of how you, you could have three guitarists and, and give them the same guitar. They all know the same song and you just ask each one to play it. And one could just have that it factor. And, uh, and you'd say, whoa, <laughs> you know, and Ringo has it. He just has it in spades. And, um, and, and, when, and when you uh, witness it firsthand, when you're actually there watching him, you know, feet away, you, you, just, you, you just know that, that he just got that magic touch and, and you, can't, you can't put it into words. Gary, I dropped out for just a minute there. My, I lost my connection. But did you talk very much about the, the, the jazz festival? How many has Ringo had? Um, you know, does he continue to use that at those at all? Uh, if you could tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he, he, uh, the first jazz festival that he got with his 63 kit, the, the one that was 14 by five and a half, he used that predominantly through his career with the Beatles, you know, with, with all the different drum kits, even the, uh, uh, Hollywood maple kit. But with each of the, um, each of the other drums, including the Hollywood maple kit, Ringo did get uh, a snare drum with each one. So he had, he had a jazz festival for the, for the, the Sullivan kit and then the two other super classics. And there was wear on them. You know, somebody was obviously playing them, but, but uh, Ringo said that they were probably used, you know, for double tracking. And, uh, and Paul used one for a number of years. And uh, uh, out of the three, uh, uh, four, 14 by fives, uh, Ringo only had two. One was accounted for, unaccounted for, and he sold the, uh, the, the, the 14 by five jazz festival that came with his Sullivan kit at auction. And um, I think it sold for 75,000. Wow. And um, uh, uh, that person that bought it sold it to, um, uh, oh, the guy from the Colts. Yeah, oh, Jim Mercer. Oh, yeah. yeah, Jim Mercer. He, he bought it. He bought it from him for three hundred and fifty thousand. Wow. So now that that snare drum is with Ringo's first kit, so it's you know it's not the exact match, but it's all Ringo. 
and um, uh, and, and just an oh by the way uh, with Ringo's maple kit with that one he received a um, uh, uh, 14 by 5 uh, superphonic okay. snare drum that um, he had up until a few years ago it was uh, not stored properly and it just literally rusted and rotted inside of its case mm. so, yeah sad ending now gary when you were uh, as far as the historian's eye what you do have and in, in uh his ringo's kits when you when you were able to, to get them and examine them uh, which i'd like to, if you don't mind tell us about that story but were were they were they missing pieces did you have to get some stuff and put in you know from your own collection and that kind of stuff Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ringo bought a lot of what I had in, from my collection. And, and the way it started out was uh, I, I was called in to help with the, uh, uh, the Grammy Museum uh, uh, exposition that they had for Ringo called Ringo Peace and Love. And uh, the Grammy Museum uh, was fortunate enough to have Ringo give him or loan them the uh, uh, the Sullivan uh, drum kit and the Maple drum kit uh, to signify the start of Ringo's career with the Beatles and, and the end. And so they were all excited. <laughs> and, then, and then that's when the nightmare started. The, the, the Grammy Museum called Ringo's people in uh, London and said, hey, you know, we, we, we want to discuss these kits. And it was like, well, nothing's organized. Um, we just got a bunch of drums here and um, I don't know what's what. So they started Googling research, you know, trying to find information out. And all I kept uh, uh, stumbling on was my website. So that's <laughs> when they, they called me and asked me if I was, would help. And, and, and unfortunately, it was, it was um, uh, one of those situations where it was like uh, American Chopper, where like, you know, they got to build a chopper, but we only got two days. <laughs> and, uh, and, and when they sent over the pictures, I was able to, you know, um, put those first two kits together um, and uh, when it came down to hardware and symbols, it was just like, we don't know where any of that is. So I just said, you can't, you can't just display like the Sullivan kit with just like no front bass drum head and, right. you know, uh, and, and just like three pieces of uh, uh, drum shells, right? So, so I just said, I go, I have everything uh, Ringo would need. I go, let, let me just supply it. And then I was just going to give it. And I was like, no, 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 Ringo doesn't, he doesn't work that way. So, um, so I did that, you know, everything worked out well. And then it was, Hey, you know, Ringo wants you to go through his other kits, put everything together and can you document them for us? And, you know, so, um, oh, yeah. dream but, job. Yeah. Yeah. So it's unbelievable. I'm really fortunate. Now, when you say the Hollywood kit, uh, have you guys, have you explained that Gary? That's a, that's a, what we call thermal gloss maple kit. And it yeah. was different, different side. Well, an extra Tom that Ringo didn't play before. Mm-hmm. Did you yeah. have some details on that? Yeah, with that one, uh, Ringo decided that he wanted, um, uh, you know, a, a, a good studio kit. And um, I know most Beatle fans, myself included, when they first saw, you know, Ringo playing that blonde colored kit, like on uh, the Let It Be movie, it's like, oh my God, what's he doing? You know, are they getting that radical? He's like, you know, it's not cool. But um, uh, you back up a little bit with the story, uh, which goes that when the Beatles went to Rishikesh and uh, Donovan was there and uh, Donovan um, uh, 
told the three of them, you know, not Ringo, he, he, I think he left at the time, but, you know, he, John Paul and George, he just said, you know, he goes, if you sand your guitars to the bare wood, he goes, it gets very organic, they'll breathe, you get a different sound. So they did it. I mean, you can, you, you can go through the details by looking it up, but so obviously that information got passed on to Ringo, you know, and, and one of the things was, you know what, you got that plastic wrap on the wood because it's suffocating the sound. <laughs> so that's why he went with the uh, uh, maple kit. But what was interesting is it was delivered to Ringo in September of 68, but the um, stamp dates inside the shells were from the summer of 67. So, um, you know, that's a bit of a question. It's like, you know, what was that all about? But uh, um, yeah, so, so that's, that's uh, how he used the, uh, or why he got the kit. And ironically enough, uh, I can't remember the exact date um, in September, but the same day that Ringo received the uh, Maple kit was the same day that they were working on, uh, uh, the Beatles were working on recording Glass Onion. So I think Paul might have had some influence, but um, uh, Ringo ended up setting up, you know, uh, his his '64 Super Classic uh, with his uh, new Maple kit, you know. So he had like double bass and things, and uh, uh, tried it out, but apparently it wasn't a success. Ringo didn't feel comfortable, so he just uh, just went with the Maple kit. From a collecting standpoint, that thermal gloss Maple is actually rarer than the Oyster Black, oh, and yeah. you guys. Um, it has a keystone badge on it, the early keystone badge, right, Gary? Is that correct? And most yeah. of the thermoglosses you see now are going to have the blue and olive badge. Excuse yeah. me, my geekiness is showing. Yeah, no, but, but you know what's interesting about that? I, part of my collecting has been really fortunate, you know, fr from able to, being able to find like a, you know, 14 by 5 uh, uh, Jazz Festival 63. And um, as of today, I, I, I also found and have uh, three 1968 uh, maple kits and, wow. um, and and one I just one I just just found I mean just literally I just got it last week but you know da -da, there's oh, wow. uh, yeah and um, uh, the only thing is it's got the uh, dial up you know so but um, uh, yeah they're extremely rare really hard to find and and even with Ringos you know uh, with 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 the ones even that I have, they're not exactly his. With his being 67, the three plies are maple on the outside, poplar in the middle, and mahogany uh, on the inside. Oh. And and everything else that you get now is is like you know uh, even in the early 70s, it's all uh, maple, poplar, maple. So, are the interiors clear on those drums, Gary? No, his aren't. His are his are white too, which is which okay. is another uh, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Ludwig coated the interior, the insides of their interiors of their drums with a, what they called it rezo coat, and it was a white paint, helped to make them drums resonate more, made them louder. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but um, yeah, much so, more organic. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's the only set I have is that '68 set, and they have that in there. So, mm -hmm. wow. so Ringo still have his Vista lights? Um, they were sold at auction. Oh, okay. Like yeah. recently. Uh, in 2015. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the kit that he plays in the Ringo special and the concert sequence at the end. Yeah. With Agner Rats. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that was another interesting thing too for me is, is that um, I was asked to help um, uh, with a big auction that, that uh, Barbara and Ringo had in, in uh, December of 2015. And uh, so 
you know, uh, Ringo auctioned off his first Ludwig kit, you know, which freaked me out. But when I realized he was just doing it for the right reasons of his, you know, raising money for his, his charity, the Lotus Foundation, you know, I got it. But then it was, you know, Ringo, Ringo just went through uh, uh, a lot of what he had and um, decided, you know, what he wanted to get rid of. And then I was brought in to a room. <laughs> it was just like drums and stands and everything mixed up. And, and, and as I went through the stuff, you know, that was going up for auction, I'm going through boxes and I'm going like, hey, this is the top of the uh, uh, dual Tom stand from his maple kit. You know, and they're going, really? I'm going, like, trust me, it is. You know, so it's like, well, let's put that off to the side. You know, and then I found other items, you know, from uh, his, his uh, uh, Tom, uh, yeah, symbol stands uh, and the, the snare stand from his premiere kit. Wow. You know, so, uh, yeah, I'm finding all this and then everybody, I, I'm sure at the Grammy Museum or, or at the uh, uh, Julian's auction house thought I was whack because every time they would come in and I'd find something, uh, I'd be crying. <laughs> They're going like, this guy's on stage. You know? but, but it was cool. You know? Well, Gary, I know you You also, you went down and I mean, even like the flat base stands, uh, were those all still there like for that first kit or did you just have to rummage around? Yeah, a lot of it had to come from from me, um, but but as we find things, it's it's been a dry spell lately. But um, but as we find things, obviously we we determine uh, what kit it was from, and then we'll take out whatever I supplied, and then put the original in with with this kit. So, um, yeah. Well, there are collectors out there. There are Beetle fans and collectors out there that. I mean, they will go down. Well, that's not the right wing nut on that symbol. I mean, seriously, the minutia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And thank God I did this because when we were working on the uh, 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 the, the first kits, you know, we were taking all the parts off, and as I tried to explain, things are really stressful. You know, so we took everything off. I, I kept everything organized, so, so I knew where it came from off the drum. And then, sure enough, though, as I'm telling the story at a, during one of my talks, you know, it's like any questions, and then there was. Well, the guy might be listening, so I can't say. And then the geek says, you know, but uh, this, this person says, um, when you took the kit apart, did you take every uh, like nut and bolt and document it and, and so that it would go on the right place, you know, back on the drum? I'm going like, geez. I'm going, yeah, yeah I don't, trust me, you know, it was done. So, um, but yeah, so you get a lot of that. And you know, what's interesting too, is I've had a few projects that were actually pretty cool from some people whose names would um, uh, have to go unknown, but uh, there's very wealthy people out there that, that um, you know, contacted me. And I don't know if it's because I'm the, 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 you know, connected with Ringo, but it's just like, I want, the drum kit that Ringo played in uh, uh, at the Cow Palace, you know, and and uh, and, and it's got to be exact. And I'm kind of like, okay, I can do that. You know? and, and and they're willing to pay stupid money, you know. But yeah. um, but but I get it, you know. It's um, but there's all kinds of Beatles fans out there. So and then when I have those kind of projects, it helps keep Russ Lee's busy <laughs> painting projects. <laughs> oh yeah. For those of you who don't know, Gary's referring to Russ Lease, who was who bought the uh, first Sullivan head uh, at auction, I think in the 80s or 90s, you guys? Yeah, 92, I think. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's down the Jim Ursay collection, but Russ is, has that down. And I think you can find him. He's, he will do a, a heads for you, I think. 
you know, yeah. that's a that's a service that he will, you know. Yeah, he's winding it down. So yeah, yeah. but but he, he does an excellent job, and he's 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 done a lot of great research. So, well, Robert, you know, from uh, a historian's perspective, which I mean, I, that's I think you are especially, but we all are. Anything you want to ask Gary about the kits, you know, that you think we haven't covered yet? Yeah, I was wondering about the premiere kit. That first one you see when he joined the Beatles, what its fate is. Does Ringo still have it? Do we know where it is? What, what's the story with that one? Yeah, with that one, that was part of the deal where uh, when Ringo made the deal or Brian Epstein made the deal for Ringo's first Ludwig kit, uh, uh, Drum City took the premiere kit in on trade. So oh, wow. um uh, I actually met um, the guy uh, who who refurbished the kit, and um, uh, his name is Dave Golding, and he worked at Drum City. Started in 1963, working in the back room, like un, you know, unpacking drum kits and refurbishing things, and and he left in 1967 uh, as as the, was a position of the store manager. So everyone that I've talked to that, that knew him during the time, you know, said, um, if Dave Golding tells you something, take it to the bank. If it's something that you heard from Ivor, eh, there might be a little bit of, um, yeah, it's, it's all about me, you know. So um, I, I kept that uh, in mind. But, but, but Dave, Dave is the guy. And, and an interesting thing about him, how I found him uh, on Ringo's first super classic kit in the uh, 13 by nine Tom, when I took the top head off, there was a business card inside wow. that's from city Dave Golding. And it was held on by a washer for the um, uh, Roger Swivomatic. Wow. So when, when I contacted him, it took a while for him to, for us to lock in because it was like, I, I, I can't understand your accent and um, <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, so um, I actually met him uh, in, in Manchester uh, during a drum show and a, a very nice guy, but, but he, he gave a lot of information and he's, he's the guy who actually put the Rogers Tom mount, or Tom mounts on all of Ringo's kits. And, wow. uh, and, and he, and he admitted, he said, I, I threw out that, that bug sash, you know, that it was done. Uh. He said it was just dirty, filthy, you know, so. Oh boy. Um, but but he doesn't remember who he sold it to, and there was a, there was a I get a lot of people, a lot meaning dozens that have said, hey, you know, uh, uh, I know who had who bought the premier kit, or or my grandfather had it, or you know, and 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 I try to track all the stories down. And one guy was somewhat credible, and when I dove dove into it, you know, I I said, can, can you provide as much information as you can? And when he did, everything went south because. You know, he's saying things that, uh, um, yeah, I went into Drum City and, and he goes, and that's when I met John Lennon. I go, you met John Lennon at Drum City? Yeah, he was standing outside the front door. He just got done selling a bunch of Beatles gear because they were upgrading everything. And then he told me I could get Ringo's drum kit. Uh, you know, and uh, it, it just, yeah, it just uh, came very far-fetched. But, um, but uh, as far as his premier kit, yeah, he's just lost to history. Uh, sure of it. What were the sizes of that kit, Gary, the premier kit? Yeah, that was um, uh, 20 by 14 uh, uh, base, um, 12 by 8 tom, and a um, 16 by 16 floor tom, and then a 4 by 14 uh, 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 piccolo snare. 
and was using was he using Zimgars at that time that on that kit? Do you know? Do you know what symbols he might have been using? No, that's a that's a big question. Uh, one was an Ajax. You know, he had a very strange wide uh, bell. Yeah, bell on it, and very distinctive. And the other ones, um, he's not he's not really sure. You know, so. Ironically, I, I've spent a lot of money too, just buying symbols and doing research, trying, you know, asking people like what was popular in, you know, in, in the early 60s. And, and it wasn't until recently, right? I mean, as even right now, you know, the, 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 one of the big things that everybody wants to know is how did Ringo get that, you know, that wash sound? And when you listen to those, you know, Ringo, Ringo says, you know, I, I, you know, had a, he's got a pair of, of the original 1960 Zildjian A's and he go, and he says that's what he used on all the records, but the personality of those, uh, of the, the early cymbal sound is so distinctive when you, that when you really dial into it, it just has a certain tone that becomes part of the Beatles. And it's like, what the hell, what is that? I mean, you don't hear that late, you know, like say it around 66, it's gone. You don't hear that anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so, so that tells me that there was another, uh, set and uh, and and I kept buying you know these um, uh, anything that, you know where somebody would say Zildjian you know 14s or 15s or you know like that that are very thin and very dry and go like oh these got to be them <laughs> and then you get them and it's like that's nah, not them but uh, recently within the past few weeks I found uh, a symbol and, and I don't want to give anything away right now but um, uh, I heard it. And on a YouTube clip, I was looking for something. And then, you know, how when you're done watching a video, the next one just kind of pops up. And, and all of a sudden, I'm hearing this symbol and I'm going, like, is that Ringo's? You know, and I'm looking and it, it wasn't, but I thought, oh my God. So um, I just bought 12. They haven't showed up yet, hopefully Monday or Tuesday. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test each of them <laughs> to see if it has that, that tonal quality, the, the, um, uh, the sensitivity, you know, the, the rapid de decay, because early on Ringo would do a lot of, you know, washes and then he would just like use it as a, like a splash, you know, before he went into a fill mm -hmm. and it was so bright, you know, it, it was, um, uh, it just was so unique. And, and, and I, I, I don't think it was a Zildjian because I, I haven't found one that, that, uh, that Zildjian makes that was that bright. So What's Gary? What size symbols did he have? I, he had a ride crash, correct? On, on his left, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And was that a? Yeah, ahead. it was a crash ride. It was an uh, eighteen inch, uh, and then on his left, he had like a, a crash ride twenty. And the other thing I, that I discovered is that um, uh, he he didn't have. You know, everybody makes it sound like you know that's what Ringo used, and and it wasn't always one set of symbols. Ringo had a few favorites. You know, he, he has, uh, still has two 18s. One is cracked right around the bell. And uh, Jim Keltner drilled two holes, so it wouldn't go any further. But Ringo had that on the wall of his uh, home in Monaco. And um, he sold the place. And so now it's in his office in Beverly Hills. So, um, uh, uh, so, so he's got that. And, and I've been fortunate enough to run into someone who's uh, 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 got a, what, like over 5,600 photos taken of the Beatles between 63 and 67. And this guy's been helping me out, um, knowing what I'm doing as far as research. So he's given me a number of photos where you just kind of crop them down, 
uh, an all high res, you know, so you could see what uh, what Ringo uh, used, you know, and, and some you can't see the stamp dates and it's frustrating, but well, you can just tell by the, 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 the lathe cut or the shape of the bell. It's like, wow, Ringo had a lot of different symbols. And, and the cool part is uh, with this guy's collection of photos, um, a lot of them unpublished, uh, he's given me the, uh, uh, the photo date. You know, so you, obviously you can go on there and, and uh, find the information to say, oh, my God, this is when the Beatles were working on, you know, uh, Sergeant Pepper, you know, specifically on that day. So, so it's like this was a symbol that he used. So that, that's given me a lot of research, but, but it's been um, time consuming. And when I talk to Ringo about it, I, I always find myself shooting myself in the foot because... I think he would be more open if I just asked, but I'm always conservative of his time and being respectful. Um, and a little side note that the nice thing is with Ringo is, um, you know, it's everybody usually gets the uh, don't talk to Ringo when you meet him about the Beatles, you know, unless he brings it up, but don't turn it into an interrogation if, you know, once that happens. But with he, he just knows me as, as the guy, you know, who will <laughs> even say that knows more than he does about his drum kits. And it's embarrassing sometimes the way he'll, say that to people if I'm around but um but when I ask him something he 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 doesn't give me an answer right away he, he really thinks about it and so if I share photos and things you know he'll think about it and then um and and, and I'll get an honest answer but um but for much of it you know as we all know they were so busy and everything that they did it's just like um it's like I, I don't know you know so he mm -hmm. he listens to my educated guesses and, um, and he tries to build on, it. you know, so um, I think we're all very fortunate, you know, uh, for that, because it, it, it'll give us a better snapshot as to what um, he used, even though I don't think we're ever going to get down to the nitty gritty with, with, with much of it. Wow. Sure. Speed King pedal. Usually he's a speed King pedal throughout the, the Beatles yeah. running, correct? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which you hear the squeak of on a lot of early <laughs> recordings. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, isn't that true? Yeah. yeah. So. so I guess it's established then that what we hear on the Please Please Me album is the premier kit. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And then the other thing that I found interesting too was that on, on you know, even though we don't have that one, uh, with all of his other ones, uh, he never changed his drum heads unless he had to. I mean, because they were just they were just so, you know. I, I think I play a lot and my, you know, they don't come close to how dirty and worn his are, but, you know, but then I take into account, you know, these, you know, he was chain smoking at the time and God knows how many ashes he pounded into the heads. But um, uh, yeah, but, but it's just extremely interesting. And that, that's why I'm glad to share this with you guys, because if my wife was in the room, she'd be rolling her eyes and say, oh, <laughs> i've got a couple of i've got a quick question for you gary now on the uh examining the shell of that the uh downbeat kit i'm sorry now the first downbeat downbeat kit he they didn't put a swivelmatic uh a rogers mount on it did they no no that 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 stayed with the uh consulate and yeah. didn't didn't McCartney have that up in his, up in uh, Scotland at, at his studio for a, for a time being? Yeah, yes. Uh, uh, McCartney borrowed. Uh, you know, he thought he was borrowing, I, I guess, a kit that was supposed to be put together. Oh yeah, because he had it for a long time, from I think '69 until '82. <laughs> but um, but but he he he, he took the um, uh, uh, 
tom and bass drum from Ringo's first uh, Ludwig kit and the, uh, the, 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 the snare drum, the jazz festival that came with the, uh, Sullivan, uh, the Sullivan kit and that floor tom, you know, so he had that configuration and, and uh, some of Ringo's, you know, uh, symbols and, and hardware. And so he used it on the McCartney album. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know his first solo album and then um and then he sent everything up to uh scotland you know to use there and because i even even when i was doing the research you know um, be- before i became friends with denny lane it was at the time it was very intimidating to to call some of these people you know to ask for information but he's just just a great guy and then he, he wasn't even aware of some of the things that i told him so yeah Put did, uh, has Ringo ever did did I mean has Ringo commented on like Paul stole my set or anything like that? You know he tried no, to no, he doesn't say anything. And in fact, if if you see pictures of uh, inside Paul's home studio, he's got the first bass drum head uh, mounted on his wall. You know, and I mean that's so that's the first drum head. You know, the first authentic Beatles logo. I mean, if, if the Sullivan head went for what it did, you know, what, 2,050,000, you know, but th- this one's right there, you know, or, or even possibly more, depending on, I guess, how it was uh, presented. But, you know, it, uh, I made Ringo known that I said, um, you know, that it, technically it is your, <laughs> it is your drum head. You know, <laughs> but, 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 you know how, how much further you could go pushing a button, you know, I, I don't want to go there, but, but he, he's aware. <laughs> is this the one you're talking about that has the Beatles written in script with the antennas out of the B? No, no, no. It, it's like the, the, the very first uh, drum head that, that um, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Who's the guy that, um, that painted the heads? Oh, you're talking about the drop T, the original drop T? Yes, the very okay. first drop T, yeah. Okay. Do we know what happened to the bug one? Um, it was thrown out. Oh, jeez. By, by Dave Golding, yeah. Yeah, that's oh. the one you were referring to. That's the one that was just yeah. filthy, dirty, yeah. like Gary had said, yeah. just, just Felt- nasty. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that one that like the D and the W or something dropped off the Ludwig logo on that drum head, so it just says Lou or something on it. Does that. <laughs> yeah, apparently, from what I heard, was that I guess it, it um, uh, when you string stories together, Ringo said that when he, when he decided he wanted to buy the kit, said the salesman started taking the Ludwig logo off on the bass drum head. Uh, he goes like, no, 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 leave that on. You know, it's, it's American. I, I want that on. So I think that started. And, uh, and from what the one story that I heard, it, it's um, true or not, I don't know. But, but um, one story was that John Lennon would kept uh, <laughs> at it till it came down to just the L and U. And then when he was on stage, he would throw out jokes about Ringo going to the loo and, you know, <laughs> things like that. So, or not, I don't know. But then, then it was completely taken off and uh, either, a, either a new one was, uh, a new decal was put on or it was painted on. So. It's hard to beat that kind of product placement in front of 73 million people. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. No. I mean, it was not I, his intent, but it was a masterstroke. But, but, yeah. You know, I, I was so naive, and I'm sure millions of people were thinking the same thing. I, I would just kind of look, and, and I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm a little kid, seven years old, watching the Beatles, but I'm going like, why does it say Ludwig the Beatles? What's Ludwig the Beatles? <laughs> <laughs> like Ludwig van Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> the now, Gary, your wig. 
<laughs> Earwig, yeah, yeah. Now, Gary, I uh, this is a, a geek question here, but on the shell, uh, it's where I was going to before before I got sidetracked on Paul stealing Ringo's kit. I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> when they drilled, when they put the Ludwig mount on, did it tear up the shell? They do a pretty good job on those early kits. They did a very good job. And in fact, when they did, when they did the first, um, when they did the first, yeah, on his Sullivan kit, when they when they when they uh, it, it was when the Beatles returned, you know, uh, from the U.S. back to uh, the UK, uh, the beginning of March, I believe it was, or somewhere around there is when the Beatles were going to start filming for a hard night. And, and that was the reason they got the, uh, Sullivan kit. They wanted, they wanted two kits identical looking. So one could be used in the studio. One could be used for the movie. Mm -hmm. And, um, but when they returned, uh, uh, to the UK, the drum kit went back to drum city. And then that's when, uh, Dave Golding, you know, installed the uh, Roger Swivomatic. And then what he did was he took, uh, you know, where, where the holes were from the uh, uh, Ludwig Consulate, he, he just actually he took like um, sizzle rivets, you know, from, from uh, the symbols and, and he put them inside, put washers in and then bent the, uh, you know, the, the little uh, ends uh, to hold it in place. So, um, uh, oh. Yeah, so he did that, and then they put a new drum head on because apparently the other drum head was kind of um, marred a little bit, and they went out with something fresh and clean. Huh. So, and then they replaced all the drum heads because they didn't want the uh, um, logo that, that Manny had put on all of their uh, all of the heads. So, um, if you have if a little bit of time, there's something cool that I wanted to share with you. And, oh, sure. All right, and this is this is from uh, Dave Golding. Uh, the, the guy that I mentioned worked at Drum City. He said that, um, you know, when I was talking to him the, the, the very first time, you know, he said, he goes, you know, he goes, he goes if I had that uh, uh, white uh, um, placard uh, that I kept on my uh, workbench, I'd be very rich right now. I'm going like white placard and, you know, plus with, with his accent, I go, I go, I'm not sure what you mean. <laughs> so, um, you know, he, he told me this story and, and he has nothing to do in this story to make himself look good. But, but I think we all know that, that the, 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 the Ivor Arbetter story was that um, he created yeah. uh, the Drop T logo drum head, you know, pulled a piece of paper out of his desk, you know, boom, did it. And um, uh, Dave knew nothing of that story. Just shows you how he was just, you know, just focused on whatever his life was. But you know, when he said placard, I said, well, what was, what was, what was on it? What are you talking about? He said, oh, it was about 12 inches, you know, long, about four inches, three inches wide. And he says, um, it had four different Beatles logos on it. And I go, and I go, well, so where'd that, where'd that come from? And, uh, uh, once again, I, I, I'm losing my train of thought on the, on the guy that, um, Painted the logos for Ringo. For, David for, something. I think it was David something. I'll, I'll have to look. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, and I apologize for that, but but um, but this person uh, uh, created four different uh, logos, and so Dave said. Um, so what happened was, you know, he says we, we work with this guy a lot. He, he he gave me these four different samples on this on this placard. And uh, he goes, and I gave it to Mel Evans, who showed it to the Beatles. And uh, he goes, I don't remember. He goes, what what the comments were, or if they made, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, why they picked what they picked. But you know, Mel came back saying this is the one they want. 
and, uh, and, and that's what was painted. You know, so I said, well, did uh, Iber have any part in this? And, you know, he just says, I don't think so. But there's a possibility Iber could have talked to uh, uh, the guy that did the painting and just said, hey, you know, here's, here's what we want to do with the, the, the T or the B and um, take it from there. So, um, Eddie Stokes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Yay. you. <laughs> Robert comes through. <laughs> I thought I was going to, when this was over, I was going to, the name would bubble up and I say, oh. <laughs> but yeah, thanks, Robert. But, but anyway, when I met uh, Dave Golding uh, in Manchester, he, he said, hey, he goes, I, he goes, I, uh, from memory, he goes, I had uh, uh, an artist that I uh, have as a friend recreate what I had on my, um, uh, workbench and then and this is what he this is what he gave me wow oh, wow yeah oh man and cool. uh, and i said so how i go how accurate is this and he goes this is a, as accurate as you're going to get you know so i said well i go i go thank you so much for for that uh for that so um when you hear the story you know he's, he, he was just a middleman just passing information along so he's not part of anything you know so I, I actually showed Ringo this and I told him the story and I said, so, um, so I go, so, so what, what do you remember? And he goes, I, he goes, I, I actually, I don't remember. So I said, you were the one that you were there, you know, so, like, <laughs> sorry, you know, but um, uh, yeah, it was just interesting. This is Ringo's take, you know, so, on it, but, uh, but, but he has no recollection of it. But I just thought there was a whole cool story. Gary, just, I mean, I, my problem would be, first of all, I would be, I know you, you know, as you get to be acquaintance, acquaintance with people and almost friends, you, the, the afraidness wears off a little bit, but I, I imagine that first time you were working on the kits and Ringo's presence, you were a little uh, walking on eggshells or if yeah. you don't mind talking about that experience. No, no, actually, to be honest, not at all. What was interesting is when, when I, uh, before Ringo was around, when I was working on anything, it, it would just be, me and Jeff Chonis, Ringo's uh, drum tech, and wonderful guy, by the way. One oh, Jeff's yeah. a wonderful yeah. guy. He's a class act. Uh, uh, I'm working on the Ed Sullivan kit, and there I am taking it all apart, and uh, and I'm just focusing on what I'm doing. And then at one point, I just I actually had like the bass drum shell in my hand, and I'm thinking like, this is the drum kit that changed my life, and and I, and, I, and I just start crying. And then I got really embarrassed because I didn't know, I knew Jeff comfortably well, but not that well. And then, so he heard me, you know, doing that kind of stuff. And then he just said, it's okay. And I just, I go, thanks. And then, uh, yeah, I just cried like a baby. I, I just, I had to put it down, just sit there. And I'm just like looking at it all going like, I can't believe I'm doing this. And um, ironically enough with, with Ringo, I think one of the reasons that, that, that we get along so well is, I, I was surprised that I'm not starstruck. You know, I just talked to him like a normal person. And then, um, and I think he, he likes that, you know, so if, so if I say something like that, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll make some kind of a comment or, you know, about a symbol, like he was asking me, you know, he goes, what's the Zin symbol? I go, it's what you use. I go, you're, I go, the, 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 there's a picture of you behind your kit in 1967 and you got this sizzle symbol and it says Zen. He goes, I never heard of it. I never played that. I go, you did. I, I, I go, actually, I knew you were going to ask me this question. And I go, and I got the picture and I, I pull it up on my phone. And for him, it was a little hard for him to, to, to see. I go, if it was on a TV screen, you, you would see it was Zen. And then so he's like, 
you know, so, but, but it's just the point of other people that, that were, you know, um, uh, dropping an ear to listen to the conversation. You know, you could just feel the vibe, or if you looked up, it was just like, you know, you, what are you doing? You're telling Rico, he's like, you know, <laughs> you know? But, um, uh, but, but he, I think he appreciates that, and it just shows that, that, that I'm comfortable and well-versed, so. Yeah, so I feel very, this whole project, working with him, doing different things, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm at home. And, and when I'm with him, everyone can relate because it's, it's, it's you know, I know I'm blessed with, with this whole thing, but we all know him and them so well. I mean, there's just something special because it's a lot of times, you know, being with him, being at his house, you know, being very comfortable. And um, I, I feel like I'm with like uh, uh, an uncle. You know, just somebody that you know, you know, and um, and he's such a he is such, he is a lovely loving guy. He's funny. He's unbelievably in uh, in good shape for eighty years old. He's in better shape than I am. He's got a lot of energy, and um, yeah, he's 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 a good person. He's you know that's something I think everyone should know. He's just a, a, a decent guy, and and he knows his place in history, and he knows how to make people feel good. To, to take that away from from him so any follow-up craig robert I, that, that's a, a a splendid note to end on however this whole conversation i've been kind of wondering about the uh the two kits undersized and oversized that you see in the hello goodbye video oh yeah if there's anything to be said about those yeah the the, the small kit was i always thought that was a ludwig kit but it was actually a uh, a drum kit that was made in japan huh? and um you could not get away with this today, but it is what it is. It was called the midget kit. <laughs> you know, so, um, uh, and and with the oversized silver sparkle, I mean, I I think most of us just thought you know, he just bought something big just for the video because you never saw it again. Right. But Ringo actually, you know, he said because he said he actually ordered the the kit special. You know, he goes, I just thought, you know. Big kit, big noise, you know, but um, he said when they set it up, um, uh, and I have some pictures of him behind that kit, you know, but when it went up for auction in, in uh, 2015, but he looks so tiny behind it. And when you physically see him sitting down and then having his legs, you know, trying to straddle the snare drum, because he just said, ah, oh, he goes, I couldn't, he goes, I couldn't reach the, uh, the bass drum pedal and the hi-hat pedal, you know, he was with this big 20-inch snare drum, and, um, uh, and, and actually seeing that he couldn't, you know, <laughs> was just like, wow, okay, but, <laughs> but, but he did buy it with the intent of, um, of using it, and, and it did uh, have some wear on it, and he just said the same thing, it was, that it, it, it uh, uh, had to have been used for double tracking, so yeah. yeah okay if you know those sizes were huge i think it was a 26 or was it a 28 base uh do you do you remember what they yeah, were i don't remember off the top of my head but it but it was it was it was big <laughs> yeah yeah if you go to my website um i, I got the information on it there at uh, ringosbeetlekits.com so cool yeah and also gary has some uh i did have uh some posters and some other pictures of the kits those may be sold out now gary but all that goes to benefit the lotus foundation uh, yeah. on your website correct is are any of those still available um yeah there still is in fact we're just we're just going to be reissuing the um uh the timeline poster so you know that that one really um is selling well 
and then uh, and the other thing too is is Ringo. You know, um, he, I never get big batches, obviously, because of the value. But um, he'll autograph posters. You know that that um, uh, that I sell, and obviously, it's just more money for the Lotus Foundation. But it's just cool for me because I just know he doesn't he doesn't do that. He just does not sign anything. So for him not only to sign those for me, but even when he approved, you know, for me to be in, uh, on the poster, I mean, that wasn't my doing. It was, it was, uh, um, uh, graphic designer that, that, that took that Liberty and, and Ringo, you know, I, I was, I was nervous thinking, um, oh my God, everybody's going to freak and he's going to freak thinking, okay, it's just a matter of time before Gary's doing the, Hey, look at me, you know, but, right. um, but even before I, I uh, uh, had a chance to, to um, uh, say something in my defense, I got a call just saying, hey, Ringo liked the poster. He approved it. I'm like, really? Seriously? He said, I go, why would he do that? And he goes, um, because he, he likes you and he loves you and he trusts you. So and it was his, his way of thanking you. So yeah, one more question, Gary. Another geek question here. Uh, what heads was Ringo using originally on those? I mean, on those kits, was it a Remo? Uh, was it the Ludwig brand? And what's do you know what he's using on on his sets right now? Yeah, right now it's Remo. Um, early on, he said with his premiere kit, he said that those were calfskin, and um, uh, the Ludwig uh, heads were on most of his um, uh, kits. So, some didn't have logos. So, uh, you know, yeah. I, I don't know what that would have been, but they, but as far as feel, the, the thickness and, and stuff, they, they look just like a, uh, a Ludwig. Ambassador. Yeah. Ambassador. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in, famously, Ringo has said that he, when he got that Hollywood kit, which is the thermal gloss maple kit, that it had, he had, had put calfskin heads on there. Yeah. Um, like the tone of, were those still on when you, you know, he, yeah, he's, he has them actually, that's what it was ordered with. Cause it was like all natural, right. You know, so it's wood and, and things, but then what happened was there's, there's a lot of pictures you see, whether it's the rooftop or right after they did the rooftop sessions and they uh, finished up at the, in the Apple uh, studio, you know, he's got uh, uh, Ludwig heads on there, but I think Mal changed them out because he knew that they would go out of tune when they're up on the roof. So um, but but for the uh, Abbey Road sessions, uh, those are all uh, uh, calfskin. Okay. included. Yeah. And now another question here about the heads and, and tuning. How does Ringo? How did he like those drums tuned? Now, is, did I, the way I understand it, Mal tuned a lot of the drums. Um, but does has Ringo ever commented on that? Like what he likes is the body, is the rezo head, you know, looser or tighter, or, or how did? anything yeah, on that he just knows when he hears it and, and and i think i think you know based on what what um i get from all the information that's coming into me is that he he just basically knows what he likes when he hears it so it could be you know not only mel being involved but the engineers mike placement you know their tuning you know or or being involved in it and uh but 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 it just seems that Ringo was the, and, and Paul actually had a lot to do with it too. I'm convinced of that. But I think that um, uh, when it is all said and done, Ringo is still the final one. On, yeah, this is, this is what, this is what sounds good to me. Fellas, mm -hmm. any final questions for Gary? We've taken up a lot of, a lot of your time, but anything you would, any follow-up questions there, Robert, Craig? 
just in passing, I know that very early on in the Beatles club days, they were sort of image conscious when it came to their instruments, which is why John had his blonde Rick painted black. George bought his Rick down in the state, Illinois, that was red originally, had that painted black to match John's. I'm wondering if Ringo was that conscious or deliberate in his choices of what the kits look like that he got. Did he pick that oyster set? Because you see on the, the Sullivan, the, the rehearsal pictures backstage, like the day before, they sent over that white kit from Manny's that they ended up not using. I'm just wondering if uh, he made deliberate choices in what his kit looked like, or is that just he took what and they gave him? From what I know, he, you know, he just said that he, he just liked the look of it. But what was interesting is with, with the drum kit that you mentioned, the, the, mm -hmm. the, the one that the uh, Ludwig kit that was white marine pearl that was used the day before the Sullivan show. Um, that was the story that people were saying was that Manny's delivered the wrong kit, but that that's that's not what it was. What, what we found out was Ringo's kit wasn't ready. So what Ringo did was he used uh, that white pearl drum kit, which was uh, a rental kit that, that the Sullivan show had. Yeah. So, so that was just brought out just in because when they were using it, it wasn't only like for rehearsal, but it was for camera blocking, you know, yeah. uh, you know so to, to get all that right. And, um, uh, and then even with the Sullivan kit, I mean, it, obviously it had to be, uh, had to have been delivered late, you know, Sunday morning because they didn't have time to put uh, the Beatles logo uh, drum head on until after the mm. fact. You know, so yeah, it was, but it's all, all those little things. It's so, it's so cool when you find those nuggets out. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. 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 Everything's got a story. Yeah. Everything's got a story. Yeah. Cool. Greg, anything, anything for Gary? Oh, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed with all the information right now. So, <laughs> as <laughs> our Gary, listeners. <laughs> yeah. Now, Gary, you, uh, Ringo kept the Hollywood kit, correct? You did not sell that one. Nope. Still has it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He still has it. Do you know if it's been played on any of his recent solo albums or anything uh, yeah, like that? Um, I forget the name of the album, but in 2006, he... he Give used, Love, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, he, he used the kit. and um, uh, But now it's, you know, it wasn't stored properly. A lot, a lot of his kits weren't. And then the Maple Kit took a heavy hit. And uh, so now it's just, uh, you know, thank God it's... All this happened the way it did, because if it would have went... Um, being stored the way it was, I mean, that, that kit would have been uh, uh, trashed today. Because even when I got involved with it, you know, it was so sad. It was with the corrosion on the, the lugs and uh, all the hardware, you know, and then, then you, you, you took off the, uh, the head and then the inside of the drum shells just smelled like mildew. You know, oh, wow. it was like, ah, oh, how sad, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, any of the plies separating, Gary? Were any of the plies starting uh, to separate at all? No, no, no. Moisture. Yeah, just, just thank God that that uh, wasn't the case. But it also, and nobody will fess up to this, but somebody also too on, on the uh, outside of the drums, every one of them, someone took some kind of a solvent and, you know, like rubbed it, like say along, like they were trying to clean the drum, like along the, alongside the lug, lugs, and, and it just kind of melted the thermal oh, glass wow. and I pushed it up into like a little goopy mess. Wow. And um, you would think, and I'm like, every drum was like, had, had that on it. And I'm thinking like, who would be that friggin' dumb? I mean, you think <laughs> yeah. you a mistake, you go, whoa, you know, I didn't do right. that. And, 
but but somebody did it on on all of the drums and uh yeah, that just makes absolutely no sense to me so well now they all have to match <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> gary you had to replace a lot of those lugs on that set didn't you the hollywood set uh all of them yeah in fact we kept everything we have everything um but um yeah everything was just it was just we couldn't even have a rechromed. It was the, the pitting was so deep and the wow. crow was so extensive because I, I, I uh, had the ability uh, through my business to, to, to have that done if that was the case, but couldn't do it. So, Which begs the question, if you replaced them outright, where are the originals? They're in a, actually all of the Ringo's kits are in a highly secured vault. It's a cool okay. thing, but, but, but he's got all of his Beatles memorabilia there. Um, a lot of personal items, uh, and, and I'm honored with that too, to be one of the people uh, able to, to be in there. You know, and, and it's funny, it's emotional too, because everywhere you look, it's like, oh my God, he's got that. Oh my God, he still has that. <laughs> and and, and, and uh, it gets emotional because you just, you know, the, the, it's all part of our lives. And then it gets depressing when you think, how much money does this guy have? <laughs> <laughs> And he's paying me what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, uh, where were they storing all this stuff that it got so damaged? Um, they were storing it outside of uh, London, and um, the person that was storing it, uh, he also stored things for um, uh, other drummers, including Charlie Watts. And they, you know, they pull all their stuff out. And um, when, when Ringo, you know, found out that his stuff wasn't stored properly, you know, he sent his, uh, one of his people over to uh, take everything out of there. And when I talked to the guy, he just said, um, I was a mess, you know, and he, he said that the, uh, the, the person that was, that was responsible, um, he had serious cancer issues. And I guess he just kind of let things go. Uh -oh. So mm. this, this building, it was a, like a detached building on this guy's property and it had in the center of it, a, uh, a heating and cooling system. And it was just rusted away. And so, so nothing was being taken uh, care of. And a Ringo stuff was just all, you know, uh, the word was thrown in a corner, you know? So, so what, what had happened was when, when we started uh, organizing all the drum kits, by, just by doing pictures, uh, at first, before they shipped everything over, I'm putting all the drum kits together, and then I'm saying that uh, still missing a floor tom and a tom, and it's like, um, no, we're not. I said, no, I, we are. And it was like you got to go back and check, and um, I, I was given like we got everything, and I go, please go back and check because there's something missing. So sure enough, they went back and then found it in a different area of the building, but but once again, if things weren't uh, accounted for th those items would have been gone. So um, yeah, just, just it, that's a big mystery though with a lot of the details there. And I, I think some of the information wasn't passed on to me just to um, save people's reputation. Sure. So. And they Gary, I, I, oh, it was ahead, intact when it was used on uh, on Give Love, so it went there at 2006 or whenever in in a complete form. So whatever, however many years passed before it was discovered to be in a state of, of rot. Well, it would have been 2012. Yeah. yeah. So six years. Yeah. 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 Gosh. Wow. 
Well, Gary, a real fast question about the Jazz Fest. The Ringo's Jazz Fest, the, the hard-to-find one, those are few and far in between. I've seen those in the Chicago show. I think Bunny has one now, or Bunny might have sold his, but I think Bunny has one. There's not a lot of those out there, are there? Oh, yeah. In fact, the, the, um, when you dial into those, to find one that's um, – uh, we all know in our group, you know, the, the configuration that makes them rare for 63 being the, uh, in, in the spacings between the lugs where you got the keystone badge, the, um, or, or the throw off the keystone badge and then the baseball bat yeah. all consecutive. So, but, but most of the, um, uh, I, I think since a lot of the information came out about uh, Ringo's, um, more have surfaced. But there's still just a small number, I think just, just four or five that are actually 14 by five. The rest are like, you know, uh, uh, the shell depth of like four and three eighths or four and five sixteenths. So um, uh, once again, if you're geeky, you know, it's going to be like, well, close but no cigar. You know, <laughs> the only thing is I posted something uh, because Ringo, you know, um, allowed me to have everything right. Um, we put uh, Ringo's, Ringo's Jazz Festival with his uh, Sullivan kit at the, at the Grammy Museum. And then I used my snare drum with his maple kit. And um, a Japanese collector contacted me and, and actually called me and, and talked through an interpreter. And he was saying, um, basically, uh, your snare drum is very valuable um, because now it has pedigree being displayed with, with the kit. You know, kit. <laughs> so he offered me thirty thousand, and wow. and I and I thought, wow, okay, you know, so there's a benchmark. But um, but now since then, you've seen drums go, you know, like if somebody will say, hey, I've got one, you know, I think there's a few floating around on eBay or something where people want like forty grand. But um, even though they're rare, I, I don't think that they're worth that because there's there's no story behind it. There's no, you know, right. so mine was just a special circumstance. So, you know, when I see those, you know, I, I just scratch my head thinking like, God, you know, and um, and, and to be honest, um, working with uh, Don Bennett. Yeah. Um, we were both offered um, uh, a jazz festival. Um, that I just thought was very suspicious. And then Don uh, took a look at it and um, it was a masterful job um, uh, where somebody created one that, 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 that you could have taken for real, but, but Don noticed, you know, we're in, in the um, scarf joint, you know, he right. says, I'm, I'm seeing uh, like a sparkle, like, like there was like a, you know, little tiny microscopic residues of you know, like where, where somebody did a good job doing the tuck in. And maybe what they did was took like a, uh, a 16 by 16 oyster black uh, pearl. And then uh, if you put the, if you put the, the drum shell in water, you know, the, the wrap will come off, you know, and if you take that center strip out, that's more than enough to, to wrap a 14 inch mm -hmm. drum. So, but somebody did a very good job and, and, uh, but, but that just shows you how, how uh, uh, Weasley people can be. Right. Oh. Well, all right, Gary, thank you so much. Gary, I want to talk to you about that Hollywood maple kit. Do you see anything behind you you'd want to trade for? Uh, <laughs> 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 but thank you for being here. Gary, again, tell, tell everybody your website. 
Yeah, website is uh, ringosbeetlekits.com. So it's um, R-I-N-G-O-S, beetle, singular, and then kits.com. So I've got a lot of cool information there. So. And also you have the, the, the posters and the history yeah. timeline and some yeah. really cool stuff there. And, yeah, there's a store and, um, and, and the, I have a symbol page that, that, that there's no information there yet, but, but it's going to be coming soon, at least to get some of the information out that I, that I know is solid. So there you go. <laughs> Somebody froze up. I think Troy did. Yeah, he did. Oh, he did. <laughs> well, good. I'm going to jump in with one more question. Yeah, go for say, it. Say, Gary, you're familiar with that Beatles photo shoot after Ringo joined in 62 where they're coming kind of doors and there's like a wrecked car behind them. Oh, yeah. And, like, yeah, yeah, okay. Ringo's got a thin snare there. Do you know what that is exactly? Yeah, that's that's his uh, uh Premier Royal Ace. That's that's the that's the snare drum that came with his premiere that he used with his oh. premiere. Okay, so that that's the please please me album, please yeah. please me single snare. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'd wondered about that, but I wasn't sure because I you never see that good of a picture of it anywhere else, and I was yeah. wondering if that was just a prop. Yeah, no, that's that's what it is. So cool. Yeah, very cool. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's gone now. He's gone. No, I'm back. I'm the back. Conversation was becoming tiresome. <laughs> my internet connection here, <laughs> my internet connection here in the hills of washington county are pretty it can be pretty sporadic at times so i think i'm appreciate it um uh, gary are you planning on going to the rebeach the chicago oh yeah i've been in contact with uh Rob, so I'll be there, and I guess he's he's not going to be doing any uh, having anybody do presentations and things, but I'll be there uh, um, uh, along with uh, along with who uh, Jim Catalano and um, uh, a few other people, but just to, you know, I guess he's going to have some uh, some time slots where we just you know be available to people to talk. So. Cool. Well, yeah. I think Don Bennett, I think Don's will be there again. I'm not for sure. Bunny's kind of, Bunny Carlos kind of up in the air yet. Where everybody's kind of a little hesitant, uh, but I think we're planning on going. So I think, Robert, you're going to head over with us, aren't you? My backyard. I have no excuse not to. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come drag you out. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Kidnapped by the Beetle Geeks. <laughs> It'll be cool for sure, at least to, to hook up and have dinner or something. You know, oh, yeah. Hang out. Sure. yeah. That's what it's all about, the hang, right? They're all the right hang, as we proved in Rochester, didn't we, Gary? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the unholy trio, you, me, and Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys for being here. Thank you all yeah, we appreciate very much, it. Gary. We'll see you. Okay. That was fun. Great yeah. seeing you, my friend, Gary. Be well. <laughs> thank you. All right. Bye, guys. guys. See you. Talk soon. Right. All right. Okay. Nice job. Thank you, guys, very much. Thanks a lot. That worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. Gary, that was amazing. Gary, I gotta ask: Are you is that is that other thermal gloss kit for sale? Um, no. Actually, there's plans <laughs> with what um one of my play uh the 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 one that I just got. Uh, there's there was more of a story behind that one that I wanted to.